This episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise. That's Homebrew in Paradise, your one-stop shop for all your beer, wine, cider, and fermented food-making needs. Go on in there, mention the Blue Hawaii Podcast, and get 10% off all of the starter kits and recipes that they have available. That's Homebrew in Paradise. Where's that located? 740 Moava Street in Kalihikai. Homebrew in Paradise. Blue Hawaii. Kia ora. And aloha. We're back, baby. Not kioya. No, the, definitely not Kyoya. No, screw those guys. Uh, speaking of Kyoya, that's the hotel uh, operator. Sorry, yeah. the hotel developer based in Japan. Right. They yeah. own all five Marriott operated hotels in Hawaii, plus the Palace in San Francisco. All are on strike. Because they don't pay their people crap. Yeah. You're going to hear a little bit from those people tonight. Yeah, we were out there last night uh, at the picket lines with our good friend Paula Rodellis and the fine folks of Unite Here Local 5. Hashtag one job should be enough. But before we get into all that, uh, we're finally back together again. So you know what that means. Holy moly, we have a good show for you guys. Yes. Yeah, we do. We talked to a whole bunch of people. A um, lot of people. Yeah. So we're starting off. We were down at the picket line uh, Friday night talking to uh, our BFF of the show, Paula Rodellis, uh, communications specialist for Unite Here Local 5, as well as two really awesome workers uh, from the hotel's uh the Kyoya owned hotels who are currently on strike, fighting for a new contract, better wages, job security. Uh, and then we have an amazing sit down with our dear, dear friend, Shaw, host of the Shaw Nanigans podcast. Her name is Shaw Ungolungol. She is going to talk to us, uh, tell us her very cool story, tell us about uh, her home of Palau, uh, a, a big controversy that came up the past couple weeks. Um, some of the anti-Micronesian racism in Hawaii and how we can fight that and how we can all move forward together and elevate ourselves. And we think you're really going to like it. You're going to like her a lot. She is friendly. She is charming. She is wonderful. We are not holding it against her that Spotify picked up her podcast and not ours. We are only holding it against Spotify, the institution. That's right. Boycott um, Spotify. Bo- well. Except for us. Except for we, Yeah. Spotify until they let us on there. Yeah. Also, uh, we're going to talk about the news, and the news this week was, you know, Shitty. it's the news. Terrible. Uh, but we also have some very exciting news of uh, a little event that we're going to be putting yes. on Mark here your calendars, in the next few everybody. weeks. Uh, November 8th, we've got a live show coming up. More on that here in a minute. Mark's Garage. Um, with that said, let's do the drop. Yeah. We often hear holiday meaning white person in a negative connotation, but is a perfectly good word. It means foreign introduced of foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is haole. I'm Leilani Poli Ahu, Ahui Ho. Haole. Haole is a perfectly good word. Welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Ryan Little. I'm Josh Michaels. And we are here with a friend of the show, a guest on a previous episode, which number escapes me, uh, Miss Paula Rodellis from Unite Here Local 5. Uh, if you recall during our first episode, uh, Local 5 was uh, contemplating a strike given the end of their contract with Marriott. Um, as of today, October 12th, 2018, uh, they have struck. They are striking. There is a strike going on. You can probably hear some of it in the noise behind us. Um, just to start off, Paula, can you tell us a little bit more about how we got here? Yeah, so um, 
as I had shared, I think, on the show, but I'll just recap it a little bit. Marriott is the biggest and richest hotel company in the world now because they bought Starwood about two years ago. Um, in just three months, um, their quarter two financials were released. So in just three months, they made $610 million in net profit. And $41 million of that came from the tax break they got from the Trump administration. And so they're doing really well financially. When you look at the Hawaii tourism industry specifically, when you look at every metric possible, whether it's RevPAR, tourism spending, tourism arrivals, um, they're doing extremely, extremely well. How long have you been out here and what sort of feedback are you getting from the community? We've been out here now, this is day five of our strike and the feedback we've been getting is been overwhelmingly positive actually. We've had um, a bunch of different other unions, other workers and just other community members come out and support. Um, some of the ways they've been doing that is we had the sheet, the Hawaii Sheet Metal Workers Union um, and, the, and Sheridan Maui. They had booked 100 rooms um, for their conference. It was like a week of rooms booked and they pulled all of it out. Yeah. And, yeah. So um, it's it's just like I could go on and on, but there's just been so many examples of that kind of solidarity. Um, the Association of Flight Attendants, the National Association, um, they book rooms nightly for the flight attendants, and they pull. They are refusing to stay at any of these Kyoya Marriott hotels. Um, and then just the community. I mean, just I mean, you all brought donuts to the line. We've been seeing a lot of that. We we. Uh we're objective journalists. We're objective journalists. <laughs> we, we've been getting so much just, um, you know, food, water, and aloha from just the broader community. It's been really exciting. And so if people listening want to get involved, I mean, this will come out Wednesday, which is, I believe, the 17th. Uh, if people want to get involved um, after hearing this, how do they do that? How do they support you guys? Great, great question. So a few basic ways to help is one, our picket lines are running 24-7, so you can come at any time, like literally any time, even if it's just for 15 minutes, it really uplifts the spirit of our strikers and makes them feel that they're not alone in this. Um, a second way is um, just simply talking to the people around you about this strike and talking about why it's important, not just for Marriott workers, but for the broader Hawaii community. Um, you know, whether we like it or not, our economy depends so much on tourism. There there's data that shows that for every one um, job lost in accommodations here in Hawaii, we lose an additional like 2.3 jobs permanently. Um, so the multiplier effect is just massive here. And so um, what we're doing out here today impacts the entire state. And so um, anyway, like I guess what I'm trying to say is I think at the same time, though, um, there's a lot of people in the community who just don't understand what it means to cross a picket line. and. Um, and to take jobs like these like this um, the, the hotel right across the street the marijuana surf rider i've been getting numerous reports that they've been putting out ads saying we'll pay you 23 dollars an hour with an extra 300 dollars bonus if you come and take a job at this hotel and, and and for frame of reference i mean what do they pay the people who are striking right now they um the housekeepers get paid 22 14 an hour and so so they're offering a raise to any scabs who are willing to cross the picket line that's exactly it and look like we um i think people just need to kind of talk to their friends and family about what it means to be a scab why strike breaking is not good not just for these workers out here who are out here 24 7 fighting to make one job enough to live in hawaii um, but we're doing it for the whole community and so don't take these jobs like don't hurt working families in hawaii yeah you mentioned uh, the Trump tax cuts is one of the reasons Marriott is doing so well. And you also talked a little bit about here in Hawaii, you know, we're so dependent on tourism and we're sort of at this crossroads that we've got to figure out on our own politically, economically and everything. 
what's your message here for like the larger political moment we're in and sort of how is the strike in the tourism industry? You mentioned it connects to everybody. Can you go a little more on that? Yes, so that $41 million tax break alone for that Marriott got, and this is just one company, right? That's $41 million that's not going to Social Security. That's $41 million not going to Medicare, all sorts of different public services that um, you know working people rely on and need. And instead, it's going straight to the richest people in the country, if not the world. And yachts are very expensive. <laughs> I- Sorry, in fairness. Um, I don't know how many yachts you can buy with $41 million. I'm sure it's a few. <laughs> I, I could buy at least one. <laughs> at least one yacht. <laughs> I'm willing to put that to the test. One job should be enough. One yacht should be enough. Marriott, executive shareholders, please, like, dial it back. And uh, just one final question. Um, what is the, the goal of the strike? What are you guys asking for? What, are, what is Marriott not giving to you guys that, that spurred all this? Our demands boil down to one job should be enough. We want Marriott as the largest hotel company to make it so that one job is enough to live in Hawaii. And that encompasses not just a livable wage and good benefits, but it encompasses job security as well. We um, know that this industry is under threat of automation and technology taking away jobs. Um, we want to make sure workers are secure from that. Um, there's a big issue with subcontracting and outsourcing in these hotels. That's another thing that takes away jobs here. Um, and it also boils on the workplace safety too because um, having a safe workplace is just so key to having a sustainable job right like if you're going to get injured permanently injured from your work then you're not going to be able to work anymore I was just talking to a housekeeper earlier this morning who shared at the rally that she injured her shoulder so bad from doing housekeeping work that she can't even carry her two-year-old daughter and so um, anyway all of our demands boil down to this theme of one job should be enough and that's why we're out here today well, Paula, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking with us. Um, any final message for the listeners? Um, yeah, come out and join us. Um, whether you know, come out to the picket line. Um, you know, if you feel inclined to donate food and water, it's going to be greatly appreciated out here. And please talk to people, spread the word about this strike and why it's important for the whole community. And when you say come down to the picket line, you mean literally put the sign on and start marching with the workers? Yes, and there are all sorts of ways you can help on the picket line. We need help with sign-in. We need help with um, loading things in and out of the delivery vans because we're, as we're constantly restocking, um, chanting, yeah, walking around with a picket sign, all sorts of ways you can help on the picket line. All right, Paula Rodellis once more, uh, Blue Hawaii Podcast. Thanks for listening. We're talking with Shane, one of the picket line leaders in front of the Moana Surfrider. Uh, Shane, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what sort of work you do for the hotel and what that work means to you? I do housekeeping. Uh, what it means to me is by bringing back the guests, by bringing all of the guests back to um, Waikiki. The reason why I love my job is because I love to show my passion to the customers and to the guests. And so... Uh, what does the, the, the motto, one job should be enough, which is what the, the strike motto is, what does that mean to you personally? What it means to me is that I'm fighting for my future. I'm fighting for my benefits to stop automation and to stop subcontracting and the workload. Uh, what sort of response have you been getting from the guests and the people passing by on the street? The response and the comments that we've been getting from the guests is that they'll stand in solidarity and they respect our picket line. And how long are you prepared to be out here for? I'm here, pre- I'm prepared to be out here every single day.
And when it comes to uh, the bargaining table and the new contract, what are you hoping to see? I'm hoping to see a lot of changes. Any changes in particular you're looking forward to? Um, the workload and job security. When you say uh, workload, we, we spoke with uh, Sarah Ramos once before, and she's one of the local five uh, housekeeping staff. And she was saying that uh, that management will do all sorts of things to increase the workload so that uh, employees are more tired, so that they're less likely to... Um, that they're less likely to sort of step out of line because they know they'll get in trouble. They'll have to put duvet covers on beds. They'll, you know, up their room quota and things like that. Have you started seeing things like that when, when you guys started threatening to strike? No, we have not seen no um, changes. The workload issues in housekeeping is by having a lot of rooms. We have 15 rooms traveling building to building, floor to floor, and um, the they just keep pushing us, pushing us, and sometimes we don't have uh, time to eat our lunches. And are they giving you raises regularly, even though they're increasing their workload, or are you getting paid the same amount regardless of how much you do? We're getting paid the same amount as we do. When was the last time you had like a, a really good raise from Marriott? I'm not too sure. Thanks, Shane. Th thank you so much, Shane. We appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so much. So we're here with Ilya. Uh, he is a worker at which hotel? At uh, the Sheraton Princess Kailani. And can you tell us what you do for them? Um, I'm a server. I've been here for 29 years. Have you been working at the Kailani the entire time? The entire time, yes. And so tell us, why are you striking? Um, actually, we are striking here. Uh, not because we want to, of course. We'd rather be uh, taking care of the guests uh, at the hotel, which is what we do best. But uh, we are here because um, uh, Marriott is um, basically um, not giving us a uh, fair wage increase that we feel we deserve, um, considering the amount of money they're making. Uh, we're asking for better job security. Um, they're trying to implement some types of automations, uh, like robots and whatnot, and kiosks that will be taking away work from um, our associates. So we want better contract language that would help... Um, uh, reinforce that, give us some more time to prepare our workers and train them in other positions. And, and, and as well, I mean, I mean jobs, with job security um, um, so we can pay our medical and um, pension increases as well. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about why this strike is, is personal for you? I just think that uh, we deserve better. Uh, I mean, I, I deserve better, personally speaking. Um, I actually work two jobs. I work at Anani Nuts, I work at Aulani, and um, our motto is one job is enough, and we feel that um, Marriott does have the, um, the uh, ability to make it happen where they can help us uh, achieve that by giving us uh, a significant wage increase. And so if, if one job truly were enough, if, if they give you the wage increase, the benefit increase, what sort of change does that, does that make in, in your life? What does that allow you to do? What does that mean for you? Well, definitely spending more time with your family, um, spending more time doing what you want to do as far as like whether you're hiking, biking, or, or whatnot. Um, um, I think it'll just create a, a better quality lifestyle, um, giving you, you know, spending time uh, going on vacation with your family and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what sort of response have you been getting from uh, passersby and from the guests at your hotel? I would say almost everyone has been positive occasionally you'll have someone rant and rave but everyone has been supportive and very very positive how long are you guys prepared to be out here for until they sign the contract whatever it takes yeah yeah we're ready 
Yeah. And if, if you had one message uh, for the Marriott shareholders and the CEOs, and for the the people in Hawaii who are listening to this, what what would you what would your how would you boil it down? Um, I would say take a look at the stock chart price right now. It's pretty bad. I think they think six billion dollar loss at the moment, but. Um, I'm not saying it's because of us, but um, yeah, they should really look at, um, you know, they, they preach to take care of their workers. Uh, they preach about taking care of their guests. Right now, uh, it looks like they don't care about their guests. They don't care about their managers. They don't care about their workers. And they have the capacity. They have the ability. Uh, we've never had this problem before with Starwood or ITT. So we're, uh, we're just flabbergasted that during these best economic times, best conditions, uh, the highest room rates, and they're making, you know, uh, um, an exuberant amount of money, to say the least. And uh, we're not asking for much at all. Yeah. And all of that is in a climate where they were just given a massive tax break. And I, I mean, it, how much of that was sort of a, a catalyst for this strike? Just kind of wanting, you know, wondering where's where's our portion of that, you know, tens and tens of millions that you save? Right. Um, yeah, it's my understanding. Um, I think they got something like $140 million, um, which is let's say a nice chunk of money. But um, in addition to that, I think last year they made $1.3 billion in net income. Uh, I think this first quarter they made $610 million. I don't know where all the money's going, but I mean, you know, we're, we, we feel that here, especially in Honolulu, but every other major city too, the prices are going up. The, uh, uh, you know, your utilities are going up. The cost of living go- uh, is higher. So I don't know what they're thinking when they're trying to throw 30, 40, 50 cents at us. It's, it's, it's just unimaginable that a, a large corporation like this um, does not want to take care of their uh, people, which is what they preach. Do you have family here with, with you in Hawaii? Um, yes. Uh, it's my wife and my son, yeah. And so, I mean, how is the strike impacting your family right now? Well, actually, all three of us work, <laughs> including my son. Um, so, yeah, we, we um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little struggle. I mean, yeah. And so, I mean, again, like, if they give you the what you're demanding, what does that mean for your family? Uh, first of all, we're not really demanding it. Uh, we feel we deserve it. Um, you know, there's no demand. I, I don't. That's the, definitely not the right choice of words to use. Um, I mean, I think it'll just help help alleviate. I'm, I'm not saying it's gonna make the one job guarantee happen today, but maybe two or three years down the line with the wage increases, we, we'll be able to um, uh, work one and a half maybe job because a lot of us are doing two or three jobs right now, at least. Yeah. Uh, Ilya, thank you so much again for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, we wish you guys all the best. Uh, stay strong, man. Keep keep doing it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Ryan Little. I'm Josh Michaels. And we're reunited. We have strong male energy. Strong male yeah, energy. Like all right, all right, all right, all uh, right. On God, one, two, three. Tell me if you're alpha or beta. Three, two, one. Beta. Beta. Dang it. So beta. I want to be alpha. I don't have the the strong male energy enough. No, no, too much femininity. Too much femininity, man. Uh, you know, I, I need to get a MAGA hat so I can feel like Superman. My oh. dad wasn't around playing catch with me either. No, same. The only time that me and my dad did play catch, there was one time, and he didn't like how I gripped the baseball, so he threw it at me really hard. Should we pause? Do you want to talk more about <laughs> this? That's that's some heavy shit, bro. I know. Uh, well, you know. Well, you ended up fairly normal. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I cry every time I see a baseball, but uh, uh, other than that, I think I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, it's, uh, our our top story is we are doing, officially, it's booked, Papers paperwork is in. It's happening. We are doing a live recording. Live show, y'all. In front of a studio audience, that's hopefully you, Yep. Uh, at 
The Arts at Mark's Garage, November 8th at 6.30 in the evening. Six, seven. Six, six thirty seven. You want to do seven? Uh, it's, it's a weeknight. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. But either way, uh, more info coming soon. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be good fun. That's a that's Mark's Garage, yeah. eleven fifty nine New Uanu Avenue. Everybody knows where Mark's Garage is. Everybody knows it. where it yeah. is. Uh, come down. We're gonna have, we're gonna have, all sorts of like games and prizes and interesting fun guests. It's gonna be a good time. Hopefully, some performances too. If you like live entertainment, yeah, you're you're gonna love it. If you like us, you're gonna really love it. If you like live entertainment with us, oh man. Oh, get ready. Oh man. Oh, as the kids might say it's a uh, lit af it's gonna be litaf 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 yeah um but moving on to some of the less positive news this week everything nlcs and alcs are in full swing but and we i've been weeping constantly we don't, we don't have to talk about that anymore if it's sensitive uh, um you speaking of sensitive people yeah how about miss Melania Trump, the first lady of the United oh, States, who says... I am says, the most bullied woman in the world. Can, He's not best. I, I think that maybe yeah, she, she is wrong. She is an idiot. That maybe she's not the single no, most bullied you, person in the world. Do you see the thing? Like, after... The, there is no message behind my jacket. It's just jacket. And I, don't, I don't think her press people talk like that. It's... it's it's fun to do the accent. Can you just throw? Can you just let me have this? <laughs> and either way, Ryan, I don't really care. Do you? That's true. Yeah. Uh, it seems like she doesn't care. She's like, I just wanted to send a message to the world that I don't care. Be best. What a oh, she's terrible. Like, yeah, she, yeah, she didn't sign up for this. Yeah, she just wanted to do the Anna Nicole Smith thing and like hopefully get some of this decrepit billionaire's money. Like, wait around until he died. But like she didn't have to join in with the Obama birth or stuff. She didn't have to join in with this that like maybe she did. Maybe that was a condition of her prenup. I don't know, but just like Kanye and the and the Superman hat, like if Donald Trump makes you feel like Superman, like you seriously need to reevaluate your life choices and priorities. Also, when they asked her on was it sixty minutes when yeah. they were like, What about the infidelity? She's like, I've got better things to worry yeah, about. It's, it's, it's like just Idle gossip. It's like, well, yeah. is it though? Because <laughs> uh, you paid several hundred thousand. You don't typically pay that much money for idle no. gossip. No. Like, there's a lot of idle gossip about our show, and S- I haven't paid any money speaking regarding of, that. Speaking of uh, bad foreign actors and not idle gossip, it's a very dangerous time for journalists in this world. That's true. Uh, first, you know, there was a story, the Bulgarian reporter who was raped and murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the even bigger story, which is... Just raped and murdered like a few weeks ahead of her daughter's seventh birthday. Jesus. Yeah. A poor, poor family. Who's and her husband is also a reporter. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. But so the news that's taken over the world. Uh, U.S. green card holder, uh, Washington Post journalist and prominent Saudi critic, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, was uh, tortured, brutally murdered, reportedly dismembered, and reportedly, reportedly dismembered. chopped into small pieces. Uh, and in smuggled the out of the Saudi consulate yeah, in, in the Turkey. Saudi consulate in Istanbul. Yeah. Um, now, of course, you know, people are saying, well, this is definitely, this is it. This is going to change our relationship with Saudi Arabia. No, it won't. Do you really think anything is going to happen with they Trump They did 9-11. No. They did 9-11, basically. Uh, we're actively helping them destroy Yemen right now. Uh, Trump is saying, well, he doesn't want, you know, oh, it's very sad, but I don't want to jeopardize the $110 billion. So... Every previous president has had the same position, but I'm in a perverse way. I'm glad we're finally admitting 
Yeah. Like we're saying the quiet part out loud, yeah. right? Like no, replacing the value of military arms above, you know, human rights and well, it's uh, like the right thing. It's hard to fight a dog whistle, right? And that's why you do them because like if you don't say what the actual thing is, then you're always you're always punching a straw man. No. But like it I at least, I guess, at uh. least Trump said that it's really all about money and yeah. that we can get the, the value can, of yeah. human life doesn't matter to him. But oh. like Again, like you said, we've yeah. we've been that. That's been our policy. These dudes make these dudes make the Iranian ayatollahs look like some hippy dippy like Burning Man stuff. I'm not sure about that. Well, I mean, but they're not nice. No, but like also, I I think if, if the Democrats don't seize on this is like they part won't. of their Democrats midterm strategy. Like, how do you not campaign on the on a platform that includes like if he did this to a green card holder, he will do this to your children. He Dude. will do this to your son that you're sending to iraq to your daughter that's going to afghanistan well like, no you know remember they had the like immediately after how, how many years of ben- getting people whipped up over benghazi they had the thing in niger and like trump you know shit all over the four service men no, nothing happened well that wasn't like a month ahead of the election also speaking of a month ahead of the election uh, uh s- all of our favorite people are losing right now yes which is not good well Beto- michael avenatti uh Porn lawyer, uh, scumbag charlatan, and uh, soapboxer, challengee to, well, challenger to hopefully fight Donald Trump Jr. in mixed martial arts for charity, which, as much as I hate myself, I'd watch that. I'd probably. watch that. Um, I'd watch it naked. He's asking, he tweeted out a link asking people to chip in for Beto, you know, Beto, supporting Beto Rourke in Texas. Uh, Beto is not currently accepting super PAC money. However, if you did send Avenatti money and uh, you read the fine print, half goes to Beto, the other half goes to Avenatti's super PAC. So don't donate. Don't trust him. him. Uh, uh, speaking of donations, uh, Susan Collins got a six-figure donation from Judicial Judicial Crisis Watch after voting for Kavanaugh. Um, but let's talk more about how all those protesters are secretly being paid by George Soros. Also, a a month ahead of the election. Yeah. Um, Beto's down. Heidi Heitkamp's down. Yep. Basically, everybody that we want to win yeah. is down. And uh, meanwhile, uh, the Trump administration, uh, in their pursuit to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, uh, has leaked that they want to do even more family separations at the border, which is probably the most politically unpopular thing that they've undertaken. So according to reports from the New York Times and Washington Post, Stephen Miller, uh, Nazi. Glue eater is uh, actively engaged in trying to lobby the president and members of the cabinet for a renewed family separation policy because he believes it will deter uh, illegal border crossings. No, just, I'm glad to see that, uh, well, entitled Ivy League shits continue to ruin this country. Um, sadism appears to be like the overall MO behind not only our foreign policy, but our domestic policy. Oh Yeah, I mean, look at last night. Um, this is recorded on October 13th, but look at... The twelfth last night in New York City, like a group of Proud Boys, yeah, just beat the hell out of somebody, yeah. And, and of course, Fox News reported it as they're the Antifa, vic- right? And of course, like the police, New York Police Department, and everybody, uh, they relate a little better to the Proud Boys than to everybody else. So, like, they have law enforcement backing. These are guys, basically, modern day brown shirts would be brown shirts. Uh, you know, the the leader Gavin McInnes, this like weird Canadian, uh, so Nazi, not yeah. More or less, in our opinion, like a like a soft Nazi brings brings out a freaking samurai sword, and yet it's reported 
uh, Antifa what? swords, like blah 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 blah. What was he gonna do with a samurai sword? Uh, I think they're re- they're reenacting some like ancient beheading ritual, or I don't know, some some weird. Is that a proud boy thing, or is that like a like a statement of I don't some know. sort? They keep adding. I mean, they keep adding stuff. Like, they're creating their own mythology, but it's all dumb. Yeah, it's like we're, they're just the West is best. But we're gonna take this Eastern mythology and incorporate and we're it. We're a bunch of weird man children who like have nothing better about ourselves than the fact that like we happen to be born in like the Western Hemisphere, and we think it's like hilarious to hurt people yeah. who are different than us. That's our great crowning achievement in life. It's like because we're a bunch of like losers failed losers who spent too much time on 4chan in high school just like yeah just like overall These, yeah loser. they're all pathetic it like really is a pathetic thing yeah you know what else is pathetic what's that uh allison blair at hawaii news now is reporting that five months after eruptions in lower puna started hawaii county officials are saying only 25 percent of lava evacuees have found permanent housing that's no good uh and that volcano's not going anywhere no this is going to be an ongoing issue oh yeah so we're monitoring that. Also, uh, uh, speaking of the volcano, yeah, um, this is in no way related to it. Speaking of, yeah, okay. So speaking of the volcano, something totally different. Yeah, speaking of, speaking of volcano, something totally different. The UN released its climate report, yeah. saying that we have until 2030 to avoid catastrophic climate change. Well, the good news, everybody, is like no matter how discouraged you get about our current political reality, um, worst comes to worst, we'll all be microwaved to death by the Earth you know in the year 2045. Does anybody even think about the ozone layer anymore? Like, you remember that was like such a big deal. So I, it actually did come up in Austra- when I was down in Australia, New Zealand. Like, they're actually like they tell tourists, you know, our ozone layer is much weaker down here than it is back home. So like, sunscreen up, y'all. Like hard. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I also saw on Vice News. Don't know if, if any of you saw it out there. Uh, get in touch. Tell us what you thought. I saw a short Vice News report on a plant in Canada that is actively extracting CO2 from the air, combining it with some other chemicals and basically repurposing it back into fuel. And so they're sort of like closing the loop on like lost emissions. Hopefully. Um, But then they also said that if you wanted to go zero or negative emission, you can just extract the CO2, turn it into a solid form and then bury it, which is like, that's pretty cool. I've heard worse ideas. Also, the only thing that would scare me about that is like, it reminds me of like what would happen if if you like you know you're storing it in a mountain yeah. and that like mountain gets like some water seepage or like a like it cracks seepage. and then and then rain gets in there yeah. because it would just be like a soda stream but inside of a mountain it would be like the, you know in elementary school you do the experiment where That's you, what I'm saying. the baking soda and the vinegar and the volcano it seems like that mountain would explode yeah well so be careful which mountain you know if I were them if I were gonna get rid of CO two you know what I'd do I'd just shoot it in space. Cause like there's a lot of room up there. There's a ton of room, yeah. and like if it doesn't, if it doesn't blow up in the space shuttle, yeah. Well, like if it, then you're you're good. And if it does, then well, it was already in the atmosphere gonna, anyway. Speaking of space, I'm gonna preemptively shout out, uh, shout out to the Brisbane Planetarium. Oh yeah, yeah. It was cool Planetariums as hell. are dope. Oh yeah, um, people people sleep on planetariums yeah. all the time. I, Those I had are one, rad. I had one more nature comment uh, before we before we leave the terrestrial Earth and Please. go into outer space. Um, speaking, you know, crazy nature, crazy weather, climate change. Uh, there's a hurricane headed toward Portugal. Mm-hmm. It's the first time in the centuries of recorded meteorological events that a hurricane is set to make landfall with continental Europe. So that seems totally normal and fine. And like, yeah. we shouldn't worry about that. Well, the, the conservative line now is not that 
uh, climate change doesn't exist is that it exists, but who can tell if it's man-made or not? You know what? It's like they're, they're incrementally getting there, right? It's like you can only bury your head in the sand until the sand is washed away by the rising sea levels. Right. And then your head is just exposed. But you look at your bank account and as long as those Koch brothers checks are in there, you well, got to... The Koch brothers, they yeah. are, they, the worst part about them is they know it's true. Yeah. Like, that's the bad part about the companies. But, like, you have the the, financial the, average, the average dummies yeah. in the world can, like, be easily convinced with a few things that, say, studies say or scientists have shown or, oh, like, yeah. something like that. Um, I mean, I mean, these, like, Which, if you want to get into that, look at, like... Let's fund science. I mean, they're funding science. Like, a lot of those results are, you know... And, but, like, yeah. No, totally. But I would also say, like, if you... If you we have our own biases on the left. I mean, there is... Um, that whole SoCal event uh, recently, S-O-K-A-L, about uh, people submitting fake papers to uh, academic journals and getting them published. Because like, at some level, if you have a certain bias, even though that thing was inherently flawed, flawed like yeah. beyond belief and its conclusions were wrong, the point still stands. Like, If you have certain biases, they will affect your judgment as to whether uh, you believe something is true or invalid or well, not. Thankfully, we're all going to die. And that'll, Thankfully, that's the great equalizer, right? <laughs> in some ways, it's very comfort. It's strangely comforting that like, we're all going to die. None one of this day? will matter in about a hundred years. I feel like we should have done the drop there. <laughs> so, we got a great guest today. <laughs> um, also, in oh, speaking of hurricanes, uh, a massive hurricane, potentially the most damaging hurricane in the last hundred years, hit the Gulf Coast this weekend. Yeah. Um, that's Hurricane Michael. Uh, I say this weekend, excuse me, this week. Hurricane Michael, which has, if you want to see what a major hurricane would do to Honolulu, yeah. look at what happened to Hurricane Just Michael. Wiped with out Hurricane the Florida Michael. Panhandle. I mean, like, a lot of the places, I used to go to the cities that it hit because it hit Mexico Beach and Port St. Joe, which are sort of like, the like if if Panama City Beach and Destin are like the Waikiki of um the Gulf Coast, like Mexico Beach is like the the Mokulaia. Like it's like a little out of the way. There's not much there. Um, and I used to hang out on those beaches all the time. And I mean, people, places were just wiped clean. Like the storm surge, the wind, the rain, like it just, it devastated that place. And like they were, that was somewhere that had building codes that were more stringent than Hawaii. Yeah. Like if, if a similar event hit us, we would be toast, which is why Hurricane Lane was such a big deal. Fortunately, we've been very lucky. Yeah. So that's uh, that's enough. You know, that's all the news that's fit to print or fit to say. Uh, depressing, more of same. However, we are really excited. We have a great guest coming today uh, to talk to. We are going to speak with Shah Ongolungal. Welcome back, everybody. We are honored and thrilled to be joined this morning by Shah Ungolungal. She is a Palauan activist and the host of the Shah Nanigans podcast. Solid pun. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> that makes it's a lot more self-explanatory than ours. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Shah Nanigans podcast now available on Spotify. Uh, we're going to tell you to listen to it, even though Spotify still will not accept our show. Really? Boycott no, Spotify. No hard feelings. Boycott Spotify. Bo- boycott Spotify except for the Sean Anigans podcast. That's right. Listen to it and then close it immediately. And the Carter <laughs> Five. I've been listening to that too. Thank you for being I'm, here, Shaw. How are you doing? 
I'm really sad about this Spotify thing. Now. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's, I don't. I don't know why they won't take us. It's, we don't hold it against you. We're we're holding we're, it against Spotify. We're rooting for your success, just not the success of the rest of the platform. I That's didn't right. even know I was on Spotify initially. I found I got an email and it was like, "Hey, you're on Spotify." Wait, what? I didn't apply. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. So that's. I, Meanwhile, oh. we've emailed Spotify and said, "Hey, can we get on there?" And they said nothing. I, I will tell you guys the secret of how I got on Spotify after the show. Okay. Good. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> so before we get into uh, some heavy stuff and the the Twitter thread of infamy, um, would you mind telling our audience a little bit about yourself and some of the work you're doing? So my name is Sha Ongalung. Um, I think online I mostly go by Sha Marire, like my Sha's like my American name. It's Charlene, but Sha. Um, in my community, I'm known as that girl with like lots of tattoos, the girl who has the radio station, the girl who mispronounces a lot of Palau names on air, um, and the girl who picks fights with politicians on a podcast. Yes. Oh, we've done that too. Yeah, We have done that. It's good times. Yeah. It's fun. Um, and then here, um, here I've been kind of laying low for a while. I had okay. surgery, so I've spent the last year just kind of hiding up in my house and or apartment and just kind of digital activism um of course the twitter thread i do the podcast i i talk about mental health and sexual assault in the pacific islander community a lot mm -hmm. because they don't want us to so right. i do so it a lot two huge issues that need a lot of attention that aren't getting attention yeah pretty much anything that at least in my community we're not supposed to talk about that's what i do and I that's talk what, about it is that what first got you into podcasting like you wanted to tell these stories that aren't getting told um not exactly i <laughs> I come from a really musical family on my mom's side back in Palau, and I'm one of the two or three people who can't sing, but I really like microphones. So I, I had like a cassette recorder as a kid, and my mom would get me dollar store blank tapes, and I would make my oh, own radio shows. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then when I became an adult, I was like, hey. I can do this for real. I, yeah. I can do this, and people will have to listen to yeah. me. Oh, I'm. Yes. I, I can't relate to that at all. I'm very sympathetic as somebody who is completely tone deaf. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, so, you know, you mentioned you're the girl with a lot of tattoos. Yes. You've got some, some beautiful ink. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, it and what it symbolizes, what it means to you? Um, so we'll start with my right arm because that's kind of where the story started. Yeah. Um, so Palawan women were best known for their tattoos. That was, in at least for us culturally, women were the tattoo artists. Women had the most intricate tattoos. It was... Um, a status thing if you had the full arm tattoos hand tattoos your family loved you if you didn't maybe not so much so um so you're about halfway there your family I'm likes pretty you good. pretty my, well my family likes me they, that's they, well i mean you're completely covered they're like like the important part of my family likes me okay good. but um that's yeah for all of us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's all i could hope for but um I told my dad when I was 12, I wanted to have a Palauan woman's tattoo. And he kind of laughed it off and said, yeah, sure. When you're 18, if you study it, yeah. I took that as a challenge. And I learned everything I could about Palauan um, art motifs, Palauan tattoo history. The minute I turned 18, I'm going to do this. And I started with an armband yeah. and then kind of worked my way. And I wanted for this piece to be, um, I wanted to find a Palauan woman, a licensed tattoo artist to tattoo my arm. Turns out there wasn't one. And this is in Palau? Or you... No, this is in Oregon. This is in Oregon, okay. Yeah, and... Because and... you were saying off-air, you're originally from Portland. I'm from Portland, Oregon. I was born and raised there for 18 years. PDX. No, Paul, PDX. <sighs> so gentrified. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I... So my dad's rule about, like, resources is if you can't find what you need, make it. Yeah. So I apprenticed as a tattoo artist so I could tattoo my arm. 
and that's what this is. You did it yourself? Wow. <laughs> the first round I did was like uh, six hours by myself. What? Don't tattoo your own fingers. That's not fun. Don't do it. That sounds do it. really painful. Yeah, it's not fun. Don't do it. It's um, I've had. It's pretty people... badass though. I, I don't have any <laughs> tattoos, but even, I mean, I can just imagine that would feel <laughs> awful. Yeah. I, I had someone else go over it um, a couple of years later, and then I went over it again just to kind of darken it. But yeah, so this tattoo started... Um, the top of my hand has some yappies motifs and the rest of it is all Palawan. And it's kind of the story of my mom's dad's mother's family and kind of how they went from yap to Palau and just kind of the family's story of becoming Palawan, I guess. Um, so yeah, I did that to myself. And then um, my left arm, my hand is a Palawan, traditional Palawan style. Um, the rest of my arm, including the flashlight that is worked into it. Um, <laughs> so was that originally a... Uh, a it, was it supposed to be a flashlight? It's supposed to be a flashlight. My sister has the same flashlight, but on her leg. Was that, that flashlights played a pretty crucial role in ancient Palawan history? It's, or? it's a family in-joke. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was but, like, I, you know, I was like, that's, that's, a, that's a paddle, right? Yeah, a paddle, you know, no. Pacific Island motif. No, but no. So tell us, you were telling us a funny story about the flashlight off yeah, air. Yeah, um, so back in 2016, I was actually working under the president of the Republic of Palau's office, and we came here as part of the delegation for the World Conservation Congress, also known as that time Obama came and ruined traffic. Oh, uh, yeah. IUCN? IUCN? IUCN. Yeah, yeah, IUCN. That was us. Yeah, I was in like the the lake hole convoy thing. The entourage. Of, yeah, I was in that. And I was like, wow, we're we're just, we're terrorizing everyone. Everyone hates us. <laughs> but this time it's not me. Yay. <laughs> but um, there was a, like a cocktail dinner type thing at um, Washington Place. And it was all basically the heads of state for the different Pacific Islands. And as part of the delegation, because I was a, a media rep, sort of, I guess, for um, Palau and the Marine Sanctuary, I tagged along. And I was kind of like the token kid in the group. So everyone's like standing around having drinks, talking about important grown-up political things. and The I'm boring just, stuff. Yeah, the boring stuff. And I'm just standing there with like, hey, President of Palau, hey, President of Federated States of Micronesia, hey, President of Marshall Islands. That's cool. Like, the heavy hitters. No biggie. Yeah. Just another day at work. <laughs> and the President of the Federated States of Micronesia like takes a sip of his drink, looks down, sees my arm and goes, is that a flashlight? <laughs> And he turns and he looks at the president of Palau and because it's an in-joke, but we're such a, a small island that like the whole island is in on the family in-joke. He looked at my arm and just started laughing and went, wow, you did? And meanwhile, the president of the Marshall Islands, she seems very, like she came off as very maternal. She's on the other side of like the little table just looking at us like, grow up. Yeah. Please be adults. Let's be adults. Like Obama is here. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> did you get to meet President Obama? No, that's when they brought in like all the dogs to do the sweeps and it was at the East West Center. So oh, we, sure. we went out for Mexican food. Oh, yeah. where'd you go? Do you uh, remember? Los Chaparros? Yeah, that's yeah. where we went. Yes, I love that place. We we should get them to sponsor us. We should. We had been in Palau for like, I had been there for two months. And Not I'm a like, lot of Mexican food in Palau? No, no. <laughs> Not a lot of Mexican food in Hawaii. But more than Palau. Sure. Yeah. And so they were like, yeah, the dogs are here. The Secret Service is here. You want to get food Mexican? Is it Mexican food? Because I'll have Mexican food. I want Mexican food. And yeah. So we left Obama for Mexican food. How uh, how big in terms of population is Palau? I think we're like just under 22,000. So pretty small. Like UH is bigger than us. Yeah. And so is their operating budget. <laughs> yeah. 
So there's no. So uh, again, for for, uh, for our listeners, for for those who don't know, especially listening on the mainland, we'll do a little orientation course here. How do you get from Hawaii to Palau and back? There's no direct flights, right? Well, can I can I first just ask yeah. for the the general uneducated listener like myself, where is Palau? Like. I mean, I know it's in the Federated States of Micronesia. No. I know it's near the Federated States of yes. Micronesia, I should say. Um, <laughs> but like, where is that? Um, Palau is actually at the far... So, okay, first I have to explain. Micronesia has two meanings. Um, when people say Micronesia, they're either referring to, one, the Federated States of Micronesia, and they left off the first two words, or three words. Um, or they mean Micronesia as a region the same way we would say, like, Melanesia and Polynesia. I think that's more what I meant. And so... Um, in Micronesia, we're at like, we're on the far left, like we're like close to Australia. Um, Japan. so Palau is like below Okinawa next to the Philippines, right above like Malaysia and right after Yap. So, so if you were looking for us on a map, the easiest way would be like Philippines on the left, Guam, like to the I guess northeast and like New Guinea would be below us. Okay. New Guinea, Indonesia, Malaysia. So is the Philippines is that the closest country in term like the closest like country with more than like a million people? I Malaysia, Indonesia. Indonesia is closer? Yeah. Okay. It's well, it's a toss up because there's like Palau, like the main area and that would be closer to the Philippines, but then our southwest islands are so far southwest that like even we have a hard time getting there and mm. that's closer to like, yeah. Like okay. So now back to Josh's original <laughs> question. Yeah, so you, uh, how do you, you get to and from, you either fly through Guam or Japan. Is that correct? Guam, um, Delta used to be like, we'd fly from like Portland to Narita airport in Japan to Palau. Okay. I guess that flight doesn't exist anymore. Oh. So from here, it's um, usually here to Guam to Palau um, through United. And that's how it's been since the days of Continental And Airlines. how long is that flight? Too long. Too long. Um, I don't know. I sleep through most of it. Like, I pop a Benadryl and go to sleep because Lucky. that's how long it takes. Fair. I've, I've had to island hop. So I went from, like, let's see. I went from here to Majuro to Kwajalein to Kosrai to Pohnpei to Chuk to Guam to Palau. And I think that took me, like... 42 hours 36 or 42 hours one of those that is wow ridiculous. yeah and i don't use like airplane restrooms so that was a really long long trip oh my gosh i was like it's okay i'm just gonna be a little dehydrated today oh my god uh, like i have a fear of like airplane bathrooms they're freaky they're the noise they make when you flush the toilet is i'm always really afraid scary. it's gonna like pull like even if you're like not even standing near it like it's somehow gonna suck you in it just sounds like the bathroom is about to explode yes yeah. like it's not a good so, sound. No, it's not. So basically, if we were to look at a map, everything you described, uh, as far as the major parts of my... You pretty much hopped everywhere. Yeah, that's that's the island yeah. hop. So how did you get into the work that you're doing? How did you get into your activism? How did, how did this sort of spring about? We can just blame my dad for all of this. Okay. I mean... So I think, are, that's what Ryan and I do. Yeah, yeah, same. I think a lot of things I'm supposed to blame my mom, but this one is totally my dad, like 100%. Um, Back in the 80s when Palau was still a trust territory under the United States, it was part of the trust territories, um, there was that fight over COFA, the Compact of Free Association for Palau. There's three compacts, by the way. Um, 
my dad was on the no compact side and he went and spoke at the UN in like 1988 and through my like formative years, like post toddler formative years, he was an activist. And so I knew the word decolonize before I quite knew how to read. Oh. And that just kind of set everything in motion, I think, for the rest of my life. When we talk about COFA and the Compact of Free Association, can you give us a 15-second version of what that means? Because I don't think a lot of people are really educated on it. Um, okay, so after World War II, um, because during World War II, Palau and most of the Micronesian Islands, we all belonged to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, the United Nations was formed. Um, all of these islands that make up Micronesia were put into what's called a trust territory of the Pacific Islands, and we were handed over to the United States. In theory, the United States was supposed to give us back, like, our like give us back to ourselves. We're not known for doing yeah. that. No. We, the follow no. through, we leave a little to be desired. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's Puerto Rico how that's working out for them. Yeah, that's, that's not going great. At the same time, like in the 60s, the United Nations issued, I think it was Resolution 1514, which is the decolonization resolution saying give indigenous people back their lands mm-hmm. definitely not good at that no, we're yeah. not, yeah. no 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 not our strong suit no but. and so they had to find like a clever way around it without looking kind of like you know horrible people <laughs> so they came up with free association and um the solomon report which came out in 62 63 is basically the blueprint saying how we're going to make all of the micronesian region dependent on the united states so they'll choose free association over actual independence and that's where the compact came into place in the 80s uh, for us the 90s and now we're freely associated air quotes modern day colonialism basically yeah, yeah. so when people when people do hear the acronym kofa mm-hmm. uh, it's mostly in the context of people from micronesia coming to hawaii there's the three Wait, compacts of free association yeah so what does free association mean free association is really confusing um it gives uh people who are are from the Micronesian region. So that's Palau, Republic of Palau, Republic of the Marshall Islands, and the Federated States of Micronesia. We each have our own COFA with the U.S. Um, it gives them the ability to come to the United States without like work visas. They can come here, like students can apply for FAFSA. But there's also, like, we can join the military for Palau and like all these islands. Our currency is the U.S. dollar. Our post office is USPS. We have no military of our own our people can join the u.s military they can die for it they don't actually get benefits if they go home though um what do you mean they don't get benefits so none of these islands i with the exception of like maybe guam but it's there's US. no va there's we don't no, have a va you have to go to guam to get your yeah yeah to so get treatment. like and my sister who's um former military we've talked about this at length um that these people will leave the service they go home there's no VA. There's nothing in place for PTSD, for whatever like traumatic brain injuries they might have had. You go home, you've got nothing. But at the same time, you've given the United States so much. Movie yeah. plug, uh, Island Soldier yes. by Nathan Fitch. Great <laughs> documentary. We featured that in the Asia Pacific Law Policy Journal. Go check it out. Um, so, and in, in addition to, you know, um, a lot of the history that we haven't talked about yet, mm-hmm. uh, there's also a tremendous amount of health issues in Micronesia because U.S. nuclear testing. Um, more in the Marshall Islands the because Marshall. that was where that happened. Um, so there's a document that came out in the 19, I want to say 1972. Um, it's a CIA memo called The Problem with Pacific Independence. And in it, they actually spell out what each part of Micronesia they needed the islands for. So the Marshall Islands were for um, strategic testing purposes there are parts of fsm that they wanted to use um just in terms of their location palau works 
um, they wanted to be able to build a naval base there in the event that anything went wrong because of our location. Like we're right there. There's the Philippines, there's China, there's Okinawa and Japan right above us. So, I mean, there's government like documents that show like, oh, we don't really care about these people necessarily, but like strategic national interests are more important to us than. Oh yeah. Yeah. But because of it and because of where we're located and just like colonization, like we have those health issues because they introduce things like canned foods yeah. and, and processed things. And it just, you know, colonization's never really worked out very well for any indigenous people ever. No. 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 Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not enough that you guys are experiencing difficulty in your homeland as indigenous people. When you come to Hawaii, when you come to the mainland, the continent um there are further challenges you face and you talked about this in a in a twitter thread that went viral uh hashtag being micronesian yeah can you tell us a little bit about that um i i have to clarify that the the twitter thread was never intended like because people keep referring to this as like this movement you started this campaign like no that's not what i was doing you were documenting i no i was having a really bad night like i was mad the first like there's when you go to the thread, mm-hmm. it actually, the first part of it is another thread. And that was my initial post of being Micronesian. And I was just, I was at home. I, my other half was like working and it was Friday night. And I saw this like horrible post with stuff about Micronesians and stolen stuff Hawaii. And I was just, I it's was cranky. Very prominent local Facebook group. Oh man. Boy, howdy. Yeah. With uh, all sorts of opinions from across the spectrum. That's a really polite way of that saying was, that. Thank you. <laughs> wow. I, I've never been able to say it that well. I'm just kind of like, you know, that. Bleep, <laughs> I was like, just bleep, 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 yeah. bleep. Yeah. That's yeah. that's generally how it comes out. So I try not to look in it. And right. I, I thought I wasn't really even. I thought I'd like unfollowed them. But it showed up. And the first thing I saw was Micronesians, cockroaches. And that just set me off for the night. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm, I have to admit, I'm a digital hoarder. So for the last three years or so, whenever I'd see anything on social media and it was just someone posting anything either derogatory about Palauans yeah. or Micronesians As we in saw general, through, your, through your screenshots and, and the civil beat reporting that followed, there's a lot out there. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I there's a reason I pay for Dropbox. Like I take screenshots and I throw them in there. And then a few years later, I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah, I could totally use this for something. So that's that's what I did. The week after the initial post is I I posted all of it. I was mad and and people were still making stupid comments. So I was like, here, I'm just going to post every single screenshot I have and I'm not going to take off anybody's name. Like it's, I'm just going to leave it as is. Yeah. That's the thing. Everybody on the internet, you know, they want it, they, they feel empowered to be, right. yeah, to speak, to speak freely. So, you know, own up, you know, own up to what you're saying, right? That, and at the same time, I didn't, because most of these um, posts are from people in Hawaii Mm -hmm. I never wanted anyone on like my side like whether they're Palauan or from just the greater Micronesian community I never wanted them to look at these posts and be like this is how Hawaiians feel right I wanted people to be held accountable for what they said Mm -hmm. so I was like you know what let me just let me just leave everybody's name and for some of them like I didn't just have their names I had like a screenshot of their like Facebook profile or so that's that's how that thread happened and it was just yeah like three years worth of screenshots that I was like, here, let me post it. Yeah. We won't we won't go through the some of the worst offenders, but basically if you search Twitter for anti Micronesian thread of shame, like yeah, it'll come just up. Being Micronesian, yeah. hashtag being Micronesian yeah. and it's the, the hashtag's just kind of taken off. I didn't 
I never expected that. And then you got a, a really quick and really big response. Did you expect it to generate no. so much buzz? No, I mean, um, initially when I'd spoken with Anita at Civil Beat, like we had kind of talked before about just other posts I had done. I do a lot of like kind of pull on historical archive work on on social media. But she contacted me and said, uh, I, I don't know if the, my editor would take this as a story, but I'd kind of like to cover the Twitter feed or the Twitter thread. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it's about Micronesians. It'll probably get like a ton of hate on Facebook, but it's cool, whatever. That's not what happened. No. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, no, this it took off in like a way that I don't think Anita or myself could have just imagined. It was, it's still weird, like how it took off. We've been on Al Jazeera. What was that? I mean, what, what's it like basically getting your story it's told like around the world? like living our dream and actually being interviewed by other outlets. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I honestly like, I, and I, my sister knows this best yeah. and so does my other half. I kind of struggled with it yeah. because I didn't mean for this to be a movement or a campaign and I definitely didn't want people to look at me like I was a spokesperson for sure. my community. I mean, there are people here in Hawaii, there's, um, we are Oceania, there are people who just, they've devoted their, their lives to doing advocacy work in the Micronesian community, and I wasn't one of them. And yeah. so I struggled. I had like a few moments where like, I was booked for a speaking engagement, and then I messaged at the last minute like, you know what, maybe in light of this, maybe I'm a horrible choice. Can I help find someone else to do this for you? <laughs> I'm a horrible human being. Well, that's, I mean that sort of shows you're the right person if you're if you you know if you actively if you're not seeking the spotlight right i think devil's advocate here i don't know right. <laughs> well, so you mentioned so you mentioned folks like we are oceania like local mm -hmm. local folks who have been doing this work what what's the response been like from them or the feedback i actually just finally got to like connect with we are oceania i mean i'd spent the last year recovering from surgery so i haven't really seen or spoken with anybody for a year and i finally got to reach out to the executive director we actually were on a panel the south pacific or the pacific islands panel at the native hawaiian conference this past week and so we connected and i'm i'm hoping if you're listening auntie josie that i can be their newest volunteer and maybe you know like help out with fun digital social media things like i do auntie that'd be josie, cool yeah okay right on and then uh, and it, this is something anita mentioned in the articles and i was curious too um, some people got in touch with her, you know, she followed up mm -hmm. um, and people have a lot of people, and, you know, some people have sort of doubled down and say like, no, I just call them like I see them, you know, like, oh, which, man. you know, okay, like not, you can't change everybody's mind. You know, some people are yeah. unfortunately stuck in their way, but a lot of people have expressed remorse and say they've evolved on their, and I don't know if that's just because they're embarrassed because they got called out. That's, I, I feel like at least half of them yeah. are that. Have you, what sort of, have you gotten any sort of feedback from people who have been like, oh, I never thought about this before. Or like I made yeah, I've made some, you know, stupid comments in the past. And I didn't really think through it. We have, um, there was one girl and I'm not sure, I think she's either somewhere in the continent or maybe in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. She had actually messaged and she's, and she, she's been part of like the, like poly versus micro beefs on Twitter. And it's usually like a younger crowd, like yeah. even younger than my sister. So I'd say late teens, early twenties, but she, she messaged in response, like I didn't realize this is what you why you guys get so upset i didn't realize this is what you guys face this is how people talk about you i will actually not say the things i've been saying and i'll speak up when people say it because i didn't know people threatened to like purge micronesians yeah like, i'm like yeah straight up like you know what's idle jokes the the 
what a lot of what you posted is not borderline like actual calls for ethnic cleansing yeah which everyone just like every a lot of the people who like make these comments are like dude it's just a joke okay if if this were made as a comment towards any other ethnic group yeah it would not be considered a joke yeah and i think that's where it gets weird is that well why is it a joke when it applies to us but it's not a joke in any other sense and is I mean, we've gotten a lot of people who are not necessarily expressing remorse, but people who didn't know this was even an issue. Yeah. And I mean, they've come out of, I had people messaging from like Belgium and Norway and just random places, especially when the Guardian article came out. Mm-hmm. It was just my inbox filled up with supporters and solidarity from Europe that were like, I've never even heard of Micronesia, but yeah. I'm here in support. And so it's it's been amazing. And I still want to point out that for all the people, like all the hate that kind of caused the thread to happen, there have been way more people to come out and support and solidarity than otherwise. So, That's awesome. I mean, there's that one guy who posted a giant picture of a cockroach and said he had nothing dis- for, but disdain for Micronesians in our community. He messaged, I think, I think he might have messaged um, Civil Beat. He messaged me saying that, well, I need you to take that down because I'm getting death threats. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, okay, well, can you Welcome send- to being Micronesian. You should have thought of that before. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Isn't it ironic? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's not fun, is it? No. You want, you want to send me the screenshots? I'll shame them too. No, yeah. But just, yeah. Yeah, I think he blocked me. And just a similar story that we said, you know, uh, immigration stories everywhere. It's always the most recent arrivals right. who, who get it. And the next recent arrivals, you know, feeling the opportunity to join in. They're just glad it's into not the them anymore. Thing. Yeah, they'll, right. they'll turn just as oh, quick. Yeah. 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 The only problem with this one is like, who would come after us? Like, who's left? Yeah. Like, I mean, even if we looked at things like climate change refugees, yeah. that's still going to be us. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah. Well, and it'll be all of us one day, too, yeah. potentially. Yeah. We'll be there with you. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, I mean, there's, I can't imagine any new ethnic community coming in after us i think we're really the last ones and so does that mean it sticks with us and if that's the case damn oh. yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll fight to make sure that doesn't happen i'm ready to fight i yeah. mean i kind of i got a gimp leg but uh, i got a cane i can fight <laughs> well like as a person who's not from hawaii and had to sort of learn um how like society worked here it became obvious pretty quickly that micronesians were the bottom of the social caste oh yeah um what like how does that change like how do we how do we move away from that how do we like how do we help elevate each other and then at the same time like why does why does micronesian culture why like why do people feel that it's so inaccessible like why do they feel like there's no commonality you know what I mean? like how is it how is it that it has been able to be like so otherized otherized yeah oh, we're so foreign <laughs> which is which you're really not we're really really not yeah um in terms of just being allies i think the biggest thing and we went over this um it was great we had uh senator kalani english nice. and um lieutenant governor Doug Chin and um, we are Oceania's director. We had Kehau from Senator Hirona's office mm. and Esther oh, Kehau. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's the best. I love she's her. awesome. That like that was the panel this last week. And I don't know how I wandered onto there, but it was cool. <laughs> um, but one of the things we talked about was just 
education. Yeah. Like people understanding, number one, who Micronesians are, two, how we got here, like why we're here and and understanding. And I think this was kind of my key point when I was at the conference was that if people knew our history, knew what the whole region of Micronesia had gone through yeah. in order for them to be here now, they would understand that we are we need to be allies because yeah. we all have a common enemy. And even though I don't want to say that it's the U.S. government, I mean, you can say it. it's the colonialist forces within the within yeah. side inside the U.S. government, right? Like it's we'll the, stat- it that way, the status yeah. quo. Yeah, it, pretty much. I mean, what indigenous people who've had to face any sort of colonial interference like hasn't oh we're really glad that happened (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was was a net positive for us and i'm really like horrified that there are actually people within our communities who do say that though like i yeah we get in a lot of online fights because of stuff like that but that's i think that's the biggest thing in terms of allies and and just being supportive is is knowledge education and at the same time and i brought this up when i spoke at um lcc and y and i um there have been a lot of stories and i know people this has happened to where it's especially micronesian women and and they're known for their like colorful skirts sure, like yeah like i think they're gorgeous i love those skirts i want one hint 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 anyone listening i want one <laughs> um but like people will see that and they'll do things like scream at them from cars or yell at them or like follow them like they're mistreated because they're wearing like cultural apparel yeah if you see that and you're comfortable just like go stand by them talk to them like and this is something that i've applied like across the board not just in terms of the micronesian community but like when it happens on the continent when it's happened in palau because palans don't want to admit this but they're notorious for mistreating their foreign workers too really i mean you learn you learn you learn from from, yeah, yeah yeah like we learned it from somewhere but um like go stand with them strike up a conversation become friends go eat dinner with them like people are people everywhere you go pretty much and then that whole like othering of micronesians is really weird to me because again we didn't and i'm saying this like i'm actually like quoting someone else who said this but like we didn't overthrow any kingdoms yeah we didn't bomb any harbors we showed up here basically the victims of the people who did this to you you as well you have the nerve to come here and exist and i think one of the things that makes it weird for people is that for a lot of us we don't necessarily want to assimilate we want to acclimate sure we don't want to give up our cultures our languages because we've seen what happens when that's pushed on someone we don't want to lose that i mean for a lot of us we stand losing our actual like homes and islands but to lose like your culture with it then what are you yeah so i think maybe that's kind of what what i was trying to ask a moment ago is like it micronesian culture feels very it feels very foreign um like a lot of times there is like a language barrier oh, yeah and there is like you know cultural practices that just feel completely alien even to people who are relatively used to like polynesian culture right um like how much of how much of this of this anti-micronesian sentiment do you think is is due to like just the foreignness of the culture to just like it just feels new and weird and that scares people i'm sure a lot of it i mean that happened that happens 
Um, there's a really awesome historian who does a lot of his writing on Facebook, um, Adam Kiave Manalo Camp. He does the Hawaiian um, I think it's history and culture forum. In fact, there's more members in the forum. I think it's like 27,000 than there are like Palauans, like wow. probably in the world. Um, but he's posted about things that we have in common. And one of the things people really like to point out is like the Micronesian skirts. Yeah. Those came to us via Hawaiian missionaries. Yeah. And so that's, we had talked um, briefly about it and how that's, um, that was one of the first things like people who were kind of upset about his, his article. That was the one thing they picked at like, well, why did you have to say they were similar? And like, cause they are because, it's like, like, do you not want it pointed out that like our otherness, the thing that you think is, is horrible about us, like is yours. Like, yep. and one of the things he had also mentioned is that f at least in talking to some of the elders that mm -hmm. he had, one person had said, it's, it's, the darkness of their skin it's a reminder of what we used to look like what we used to be when we were still more connected to our culture mm. and that's i mean colorism is something we do come across a lot in micronesia and sure. again we learned that from someone yep but um i guess maybe it's the idea that we do still have that certain connection like it reminds them of what they lost yeah we're not going through a cultural revival we're just kind of still in it yeah if anything we're like trying really hard to prevent further loss because of what we've seen and i know that when i say that there are people who are offended by it yeah. I've, I've offended a lot of people saying that but i mean if we just go by fact it's yeah. that's how it is like we we weren't i don't know it wasn't forced on us the way we weren't annexed i mean mm -hmm. we were colonized but they just kind of let us continue existing mm -hmm. to an extent and so we were able to save a lot more and that we showed Rather up than here having your language like taken from you your culture taken from you like they yeah. did in hawaii yeah yeah i yeah. mean we showed up here with not necessarily like everything is still intact for us but with just a lot more of it and yeah. we're not trying to relearn it we're just yeah. trying to hold on to it and, well, and it happened over so much shorter time it did time span That's right the other like thing. the hawaiians like they were cook landed in what 17 whenever and like 89 89 sounds think, right no, and then like we weren't too far behind though because no. um i think our spanish missionaries showed up in like the oh. 1830s well it's well, like it's speaking of, you know bringing culture back um i'm bringing like, culture about, back no, yeah sh <laughs> uh i mean talking about like traditions that were lost you, you other know, we islands have, don't know how to act <laughs> we have micronesia to thank for the entire revival of polynesian voyaging right maupiailug the famous navigator is the one who taught and I know Thompson and all yep. the Hokulea guys, like, no, yeah, here's how we used to do it. Yeah, his son teaches. It's, it's emblematic of the whole thing. At the Micronesian Voyaging School in Palau now. That's badass. Yeah, he was. they were here last year. So we actually I got a chance to meet up with them. And that was that was great. But last year during that was when I heard like the weirdest statement I've ever heard in regards to like the whole relearning navigation. Sure. And it was, um, I want to say it was either in one of the newspapers like comment threads or it was somewhere on Facebook though. And someone had said, well, we taught these skills to the Micronesians and we're just coming back to claim what's ours. You were just holding on to it. Like, wait, what? That's a really weird way to deny the fact that you are from the same gene pool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I'm like, so basically you're our cousin, but like, you don't want to be 
is yeah yeah that that was pretty much how yeah. it felt like okay so, so we were talking off air i i fell into a wikipedia black hole last night listeners um in advance of of this interview just sort of learning what i could about micronesia before i went to bed and um crash course crash course there you go uh, although they didn't crash very much but the the point that i was going to make is like all pretty much all of micronesia melanesia polynesia came from somewhere and i think the the right now the most prevalent theory is like somewhere in indonesia and it was just like the most badass explorers and they just sent them out in canoes and they colonized the entire bad, pacific. Choice, of, bad verb bad choice of verbs uh, they settled the entire pacific we explored and made homes yeah <laughs> but yeah like it's and didn't have to kill anybody well they killed a lot of people. Didn't have to, people there was died. a lot of killing. A yeah, lot of it was war. Didn't based. have to fully. I'll put this: white people did not invent war. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like we, we owe so much to like that culture and like yeah. the definitely we've learned so much and like I think people still just like criminally underestimate what was achieved by, and exactly like you're saying, like the fact that we can't all just admire it and share in it it's to be a zero something like no it's ours it's not yours it's ours right. like no it's everybody's right in the pacific well it's like in it i mean without being too reductive it's like it's everybody in the pacific is like they're only a just like genetically not far removed from each other like We're you really guys are not. so like the the what i saw last night said that the the uh predominant theory right now based on radiocarbon dating of when the hawaiians landed here is like a anywhere from 11 to 1200 ce it's like oh that's like 800 years ago like that's not new zealand that far the, the maori arriving in new zealand new zealand says it's the uh the most recently discovered like landmass in the world yeah and discovered and settled like this is not this is and not they, ancient history they all came from the same like the same group of people yeah. like there's no reason these divisions are so petty and stupid. Well, that's colonialism 101 divide and rule right pretty much yeah that's like the biggest thing and one of the things we keep bringing up is um, like the U S government can't possibly be upset over this. Like how much like fighting there is between all of us, different Islanders in the Pacific. Cause while we're all at each other's throats over things like skirts, yeah, like still have no options, but to join the military. Like, yeah. That's so the easiest way off Island is that, but also like China versus U S and like militarizing this, all of the Pacific, like, by the time we get around to like catching on to that and are able to kind of like have a cohesive voice, we'll be too disjointed from having fought over skirts. So like there, I feel like the United States relies on this. Yeah. Like they need us to stay divided. And I think that's kind of like how I feel with them in regards to like every like minority group, like just so, yeah. keep fighting. So what's your, your path forward, both for, for building bridges and solving these issues, but also for you, Shaw, the, awesome human being the podcaster the hawaii resident no longer of portland what, what what's the future hold for you um i really just want to take like since there is a media buzz i want to use this opportunity to like i don't know amplify the voices of the people in the community who have been doing the work and also um and we've had to talk about this like with my cousins and stuff as we all have a tendency to pick fights on social media with people is that we're not here to change people's minds about micronesians we're just here to put that information out, identify our allies and figure out how, what we can do together, like moving forward, like what kind of discussions need to be had, what can we do in our own respective communities? And at the end of the day, like, 
and I know Islanders can relate to this. At the end of the day, you just want to sit down with your good tarot and whatever you're eating with your good tarot and just like enjoy like your life. And so if we could just kind of all do that together, yeah. like let's just sit down with our tarot. We've joked and like had this whole concept of the treaty of tarot where like everyone just brings their good tarot. We sit down and talk it out over food. That's it works for us on like in a family level on an island level why can't we all do that together since we do have that in common well that's actually a perfect segue uh, to our next section would you mind sticking around to join us for a shout outs and a restaurant recommendations Ooh, yes i need restaurant recommendations okay uh ladies and gentlemen we'll be right back with sean golungo blue hawaii podcast shout outs do we have any well Yes. Shout out to New Zealand and Australia for taking care of you and Tony oh, on your wonderful a, vacation. They don't want to come back. Shout out to the Local 5 union yeah. that is striking currently in Waikiki uh, against all the Kyoya-owned Marriott-operated hotels. You heard their interview clips at the top of the show. But one more time, folks, uh, if you can get down there, uh, support them. Food, water, uh, friends. Just friends. They welcome everything. Yeah. They literally just want support. Yeah. Jump in the pickup line with them. Pick it. Not the pickup line. That's different. <laughs> the pickup line. Yeah. Whoa. You are a good looking striker. <laughs> hey, if it works, it works. Yeah. Go down there. Hit the drum. Yell at capitalism. Please yeah. yell at capitalism. It feels really good. Yeah. Like it. We marched and I was just power. like, I should be part of a mob more often. Like this is. Oh, oh okay. I don't think we need to. Do... <laughs> uh, uh, Antifa is not involved. <laughs> No, not, not like a literal. Yeah. It's just, it feels good to like, it feels good to unite with Solidarity. people and, and just basically like collectively say like enough is enough. Like Marx would say, you're alienated from your labor. That's exactly right. Okay. And these people are reclaiming it. Shot, is there anything you'd like to shout out? Anything cool going on that you want to bring attention to? Actually, yes. No. Um. So on the 17th, it's, is that a Wednesday? Wednesday? Yeah, next Wednesday. Wednesday. Yep. Wednesday the 17th. Um, from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Impact Hub downtown. Yeah. Uh, that's the, at the corner of... Oh, this, episode, like is coming, this episode is coming out of this. That's today. Yeah. Oh, so if you're listening to this... If you're listening to this, today, please come down. Please, please, please come down. What time? Um, from 1 to 4, it is the... Um, it's a forum hosted by the Commission or Civil Rights Commission. And it's especially for... Um, hearing about Micronesian experiences. The name of the forum is Barriers to Equal Opportunity for Micronesian Immigrants in Hawaii. Awesome. And so there will be people there speaking on their experiences and we would love to have other people come speak and other people just to come hear how it is because it's rough. It can be rough. Any key allies that you'd like to shout out? People who, you know, helped pick up this this story or helped amplify the message that you think you may owe debt of gratitude to oh definitely anita civil especially anita though because she's Hoffsteiner. awesome yeah, yeah we we quote her stuff all the time she's yes. fantastic everybody she's awesome. her. go to civil beat search for micronesia uh, all the articles by anita recently so yeah. many like tons of things her and also um the folks at um aje al jazeera english the stream because nice. they reached out because of anita the guardian reached out because of anita radio new zealand reached out because of Kiora. Kiora. and so it's it's been amazing and just shout out to everyone who's messaged in solidarity and support because damn i had no idea we had that people that oh, many yeah. people in support people power this is the key question we asked every one of our guests uh what is your favorite restaurant in honolulu 
what would you recommend somebody eating here for the first time or if you've got date night or anything special or comfort food i have like my favorite comfort food but they're not necessarily my favorite restaurants and i have my favorite restaurants but i love their whole menu we so can it's go whole menu restaurant that's it. fine yeah. okay i i love umeke umeke market is incredibly solid because yeah. oh my gosh that chronic smoothie especially yeah that's, that place is delicious. That place is amazing. And I never feel bad because I'm like, oh, this is healthy. I'm it's good. like, it's vegan. How bad can it be? Like, this can't be bad for me. Yep. This is this is what I needed as a kid to convince me to eat vegetables. <laughs> yeah. If someone had showed me this as a kid, man, I would have just never bothered with meat in, for, meat in the first place. Um, but my comfort food, aside from like my other half who d- literally does all of our cooking, like he'll work from... Shout out to him. Shout out to... Shout out to Sai, if he's listening, because um, he, he better, better be. He better, better be, be listening. Oh, I love Sai. So um, <laughs> he no, seriously, he works so many hours like he's just he works six days a week nonstop. And then he comes home and he's like, babe, what do you want to eat? That's I'm a like, good man. You are the greatest person ever. How did I ever live without Sounds you? Sounds like a great man. Yep. And then on the times like when he's not cooking, like he'll bring me food from places I like in downtown. So if you like work downtown, the garlic chicken fried rice at Junbo is kind of Ooh, amazing. That sounds real that good. That sounds real good. And they give you so much of it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's like, I'll pick it up and it's my my lunch dinner. Oh, and if you're like on the other side, go to Coquitos because I love that place so much and I want them to be in business for the rest of my life. When you say other side, where is Coquitos? In Waianae. Waianae. Ah, okay. What I, kind of food do they serve? Puerto Rican. Boricua. Like that's that's my go to. Like I want mofongo. I want mofongo. I want my tres leches cake. I like. I introduce people to it because, especially if you're from Guam or if you're familiar with Chamorro food, then Puerto Rican food is kind of like, wait, we have this. It has a different name. It's like Pacific versus Atlantic, right? Basically. Yeah. 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 Like one of the things I really like about Puerto Rican food is that it's so familiar. That's interesting. Like here in Hawaii, we're eating like haupia, but they have tembleque, and so Mm. it's it's. Thank you. I mean. It's a comfort food, and also I just really love Waianae. Like Wai-Nai when I'm homesick wonderful. for Palau, yep. I go to Waianae, and I'm like, "Look, no tall buildings, and everyone here is so wonderful and friendly." And yeah. If you were going to eat dinner in Palau, where would you go eat? Ooh. Cafe Vida. Cafe Vida. Cafe what would you get Vida. there? Um, so I always get the shrimp ahijo. It's like the oil, the shrimp oil stew, and it's like sizzling and it's hot and it's delicious. Um, for appetizers, they have like bacon wrapped bananas. Ooh, bacon wrapped bananas, dude! It's so good. That sounds amazing. Okay, <laughs> like that sounds weird but delicious. It's so like the first time I saw it, I was kind of horrified. Like, why would you do this? Yeah. And then I ate it, and I'm like, why oh, haven't I done this? That's why they did this. Like. That's I that's idea. kind of like I feel bad because when I go to Palau, the first thing I I feel like I'm supposed to want is like home cooking from relatives, and instead I'm like, is Cafe Vida still open? Let me get that bacon wrapped banana. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like the oh, and Katie's Katie's um garden. It's it's a vegan restaurant in Palau. Good for them. I Something love it. Something for everyone. Their lasagna, lasagna and smoothies. Go there for their lasagna and smoothies. Okay. All right. Lasagna smoothie? Lasagnas and smoothies. Oh, I was no, like, you just that pop, sounds actually disgusting. You just okay. pop lasagna in the blender? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I did have to go through that for a while. Okay. One, one more. You're from Portland. People, our listeners yes. are probably much more likely to go to Portland than they are Palau. Yes. Um, one restaurant, Portland. 
go. Yikes. I'm actually going to recommend a restaurant outside of Portland in Vancouver. And even though I realize I live in Hawaii, I really miss Kiave's in Vancouver, Washington. Okay. Their local moco fries are to die for. Okay. Like the Hawaii diaspora. Yeah, like they've kind of taken it to like a different level with their food. There was one year for Thanksgiving, we had them cater our Thanksgiving dinner because we didn't want to cook and they had packages. So yeah, I I miss them. Okay. Shout out to Kiave's. Kiave's, you got it. Perfect. Uh, Any restaurant recs for you, my friend? Yeah, I'm taking it back. Uh, Old school. We went to uh, my old stomping grounds, AA 96701, uh, when, we, when we got back from Australia, New Zealand, to thank my mom for looking after the apartment and the cats. We took her to Bravo out in Bravo. AA, always solid. Uh, basically, uh, my mom's kitchen growing up, Bravo restaurant or Anna Miller's. <laughs> so, we got the, we got, so we got Bravo and then we got the banana cream pie, which Anna Miller's sometimes sends their pie downstairs. Yeah. And it's real good. Anna Miller knows how to make a good pie. Yeah. I still haven't had their pie. Like oh, I keep hearing good, about it. It's real good. Mm. Really? It's real. You okay. need to treat yourself. Get it. Uh, Especially on the way. Like if you're driving all the way out to Waianae, like you can just stop in. I really should. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to shout out Papa's Hong Kong style Chinese food. Went there. Mm-hmm. It's in Chinatown uh, across the street from Mauna Kea Market. Um, went in there and had the uh, beef with vegetable. And then had, uh, I think it's called cold ginger chicken. That sounds good. And it was divine. So uh, it's about like 10, 15 bucks a person. Go in there, enjoy yourself, delicious food, uh, very authentic Hong Kong style. So I know sometimes people wonder like, am I getting like the real Chinese food experience or am I just getting like, you know, whatever they found frozen at Costco. Yeah. Uh, And this is apparently, according to the person who I was with, who's from Hong Kong, quite authentic nice and it's walking distance from my office so i know where i'm going you should go there well uh shaw thank you again so much for joining us today thank you for having me are there any last words any words of wisdom you'd like to share with our audience Um, before they check out the sean anigans podcast and are enthralled and charmed by you and and then never go back to spotify again (laughs) um no i guess i just kind of repeating what my dad taught me that like my job isn't here to change people's minds. I don't want to pick fights. I don't, I'm tired of arguing with people. So I'm just here to present information and figure out who my allies are and we can mobilize and go do wonderful things and eat wonderful food. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Well, she's been on a bunch of other way more high profile <laughs> stuff than us. Yeah, you, you didn't hear it, hear she it saved, here first. She saved the best for last. I sure did. Yeah, thank you so much, Shah Ungolungo, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Find her on Twitter at Shaw underscore Nanigans. Yeah. Is that right? Shaw underscore Mary Ray. M-E-R-I-R-E-I. Yeah. Continue the conversation. Listen to her podcast. I'm fun. And, all right, Shaw. Thank you so much. Thank you. Shaw, you're the best. Blue Hawaii. Thank you. Aloha. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.